Welcome in to episode seven, I believe, of the Print Fest DFS podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowe, alongside Scott Bandy, and we're going to be breaking down the week nine slate on DraftKings. It's an interesting one where there's not a lot of value down low, and there's a lot of really high-priced um, receivers and running backs and quarterbacks uh, that we really want to get into our lineup. So it's, it's really going to be interesting in cash to see um, – you know, how we can jam in these guys. We might have to punt off tight end like we always love to do. Um, but we're going to walk our way through this slate. So starting at quarterback, um, I, I think you're really going to have, you might have to punt off quarterback this week if you really want to get in two of these high-priced wide receivers, and we'll break down all of them. And I think to punt it off, I think we're going to have to go with Drew Locke. And it's not a, it's not my favorite play. I mean, he's not a great player, but he does push the ball downfield. And that's something that's really important. His average um, depth of target over the last four games is 10.7. That leads this lead. So he's just dropping back and just slinging it. Um, he's only averaged 13.8 points per game over the last four. So it's not great. You know, he's on the road, but at least he's in a dome. He doesn't worry about any kind of weather or anything like that. And he's against Atlanta. I mean, 8.6 yards per attempt, 28 fantasy points per game, 29th BVOA. They get no pressure on opposing quarterbacks. It's a fast-paced game. He's 5,200. And Atlanta's allowed uh, the last six quarterbacks that they face go over 300 yards. So I think that if you need to punt it off, I think Drew Locke for that game environment, they're going to be trailing. Uh, you know, their implied total is 23 and a quarter, so not terrible. But um, – I think Drew Locke is fine if you need to punt it off a quarterback. I mean, this is what we like to do, right? We like to we like to target the uh, piss poor Falcons defense, right? So, yeah. uh, believe it or not, the Falcons have actually gotten a little bit better against quarterbacks over the last four weeks. But that being even with that improvement, they're still dead last in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, um, slightly edging out the Seahawks, if you can believe that. Um, so, I mean, at that price point and the projected game environment. I mean, I think he's, like you said, you have to find value somewhere on this slate. All the chalks is up at, up top. And I think there's a couple other quarterbacks we're going to talk about in a minute that I think are going to see a little bit of ownership. Um, but those low price guys, I think most people are going to kind of graduate or um, gravitate to, to Drew Locke. I mean, I, I'm still, uh, see, I'm a little bit unsure about him just because I don't know if I haven't decided for myself if I think he's good or not, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's the Falcons. So um, at 5,300, I think you're not really going to find better value there. So, and, and I think quarterback, there's never really a lot of chalk at quarterback, right? So it, I don't really think the opportunity cost is that high. Um, I mean, even guys like Josh Allen or, or Lamar on Mahomes, what, what is their ownership going to get on a good week? You know, 15% maybe? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I think he's fine. Moving on to my favorite quarterback play in the week is Josh Allen at 7K. Um, so, again, if you're going to pay up for Josh Allen at this price point, you're going to have to find value elsewhere. And as you'll see, we're going to talk about a lot of high-priced guys. And it's, you're really just going to have to make these lineups fit as you can. It's a really tough week pricing-wise. Um, but just starting out with Josh Allen, there's a 55 over under, 26 implied team total. Um, Seattle is allowing the second most points per game to quarterbacks at 25.4 points. 
Um, and here's the thing. I know Josh Allen has not been very good over the last month, but this matchup is just the spot of spots. Um, teams average about 46.8 attempts per game against the Seattle defense and 358 passing yards, which are both in the, most in the NFL. Bills average 35 pass attempts a game at 203 yards. Um, so just the pace in that game, they're going to be forced to keep up because you know Russell's going to cook. He's going to show up with Metcalf and Lockett. He's going to put up his points. And I think this is a game where Josh Allen's going to be forced to move the ball down the field. Um, in addition to that, the Seahawks have given up four rushing touchdowns to quarterbacks, which is tied for the most in the NFL. And we know that Josh Allen calls his own number around the goal line more than anyone else in the league, possibly not named Cam Newton. Um, and the last few games, he's actually ran a little bit more than he had early on this season. He's had 10, 11 attempts both the last two weeks. And I think if they're down and trying to come back in this game, I think you might see him scrambling a little bit, little bit more, even though Seattle isn't all that good at rushing the passer. Um, they did bring in Carlos Dunlap. I'm not sure if he's actually going to play this week or not, but um, I think that I'm, I'm just expecting a game script where Josh Allen is down most of the time. He's going to have to be clawing back to keep up with Russ. Um, so I think this game environment sets up for an absolute explosion, maybe 35 to 40 points. Um, and obviously, if he hits that, I think it might be tough to keep up if we don't play him. Uh, if you do pay down for someone like Locke, you're going to have to find – I mean, it's not guaranteed he's going to explode, but I do think Josh Allen has a floor of 20 in the spot. I just don't see a way that he busts. I really don't. What, what do you, what's your take on this? Yeah, they're going to have to be throwing all game. And to your point that he's rushing more, yeah, he's ran for uh, – he's averaged 36 rushing yards per game over his last four, which is, which is fourth on this slate uh, behind Kyler Murray, you know, Russell Wilson's even been running the ball a lot more. Lamar Jackson. Um, so, yeah, I mean, his rushing floor is definitely there. He's 7K, so he's priced up a bit. But for this matchup here with Seattle, I, I think Josh Allen is really has to be a priority this week. Like, I, like we talked about earlier, it's just really going to be tough to get him in there. Um, but I do love him this week, though. Yeah. And then the other quarterback I like, same price range as Justin Herbert at 6,800. Um I think he's also fine for cash, and it gives you a little bit of uh, off the chalk. I think Herbert's going to be owned, but not the way Josh Allen is because it's such an elite spot. Um, but Justin Herbert, 6,800, um, over under 51.5, 26.5 implied total for the team. This is my pers personally my favorite game on the slate. I think the over's a near lock. Uh, I think 51.5 is just too low. These are two really bad defenses and two teams that have been pretty good at putting up points the last few weeks. Uh, the Raiders, 31st DVOA, 27th DVOA against the pass. Uh, they're giving up the fourth most points to quarterbacks the last four weeks, almost 25 points a game. And to correlate with that, the Chargers have been, have been pretty bad against quarterbacks too. They're giving up the sixth most, most points to quarterbacks, and they just traded away Desmond King. Mm -hmm. um, so you had a defense that was already beat up without Derwin James, without Bosa, or not Bosa, uh, Ingram. And now you're losing another key piece in Desmond King. I think that the Raiders should be able to keep up in this spot. Um, so far, Herbert's hit the 300-yard bonus in three of the six games this year. He's running a little bit as well. I think he's getting you, you know, 15, 20 yards a game, which is a little bit of a boost to his floor. Um, 
But I think I said this last week, Herbert's really shocked me with how good he's looked early on. I wasn't really a big Justin Herbert fan coming out of the draft. I thought he had a lot of decision-making issues, issues with, with throwing touch passes and whatnot. Um, but, I mean, it's hard not to like him in, in this spot. I mean, he's just getting it done week in, week out. It's a projected shootout. Um, so I like him to get off a little bit of a chalk with Josh Allen. Yeah, and he's a home favorite. It should be a faster-paced game. And he's just been crushing 29 DraftKings points per game over his last four. is ridiculous. Um, and he's pushing the ball downfield 9.4 ADOT over the last four games. It's just he, – he's been awesome. I mean, uh, the Raiders get basically no pressure. So, he's in a really good spot. It's just he's priced up a bit. He's right in that range of Deshaun Watson and Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson. So, he might kind of get lost in the shuffle here on this slate. Uh, but he's really solid, though. Yeah, I mean, to make matters worse, I know Jonathan Abrams has been out this week with with some kind of illness. Mm-hmm. Uh, I haven't heard anything about whether it's COVID-related or not. Um, and not, obviously, you don't really care too much about that, but he's definitely one of the best uh, secondary pieces they've got. I think Maurice Hurst has been hurt this week. Um, so, I mean, if, you, if we see a couple of these guys sit on an already porous defense, I mean, it's just going to make it that much more juicy. Yeah. Yeah, and Derek Carr on the other side is also perfectly fine at 5,700. He's, he's actually been running the ball a little bit, 20 yards, uh, 20 rushing yards per game over his last four, 7.9 yards per pass attempt. I mean, Derek Carr has been just fine, 5,700 in this matchup, and it's going to be a faster-paced game with a high enough total. I think if you have the salary to get up from Drew Locke to get up to Derek Carr, I think he's a fine uh, middle-of-the-road play kind of, Price right in between uh, Herbert and uh, Andrew Locke. Yeah, I mean, I think he's perfectly fine. I really especially like him for uh, GPPs this week. I think all the game log watchers are going to see that game last week, and I think they might get off him a little bit. But Drew, uh, Derek Carr's been really good this year. Um, he's always been very efficient, but now he's got a little bit more weaponry. Mm-hmm. Uh, another year under John Gruden, I, I really think he's he's having one of the best seasons he's had in a while he's kind of one of those guys who's just like <laughs> like when I think of like that general mediocre league average quarterback I think of Derek Carr which might be a little bit disrespectful but um, <laughs> he's been good this year so I I absolutely love him uh, in GPPs and cash I think he's fine again we have to find the value somewhere yep yeah so move on to running back where we kind of have to pay up I think I think he's just locking Dalvin Cook this week uh, you know he's playing Against Detroit, he's at home, 28 implied total. They're four-point favorites. He's been crushing. Yeah, I mean, he went off for 50-burger last week. That's not why we're playing him. But it, we would have played him if he scored 20 last week. I, I don't care that he scored four touchdowns. That doesn't matter to me at all. In fact, it probably hurts a little bit because he's going to be so much more high-owned. Um, but, you know, the Vikings, they want to lean on the run. On over the last five weeks and early downs in the first half of games, they run the ball 56% of the time. That's easily the highest in the league. This is a team who wants to run the ball first and he's been absolutely crushing. He gets the goal line. He's averaged four targets per game over his last four. He's not hurt anymore. He's fully off the injury report, ready to go. Um, and Vikings home games, they've actually averaged 67 points per game as second most in the league. So this could be a shootout uh, if Matt Stafford is there. And if Matt Stafford's not there, well, then Minnesota's going to be up by that much more and just going to be running every play seemingly. So I think Dalvin Cook at 8,200, I think you just play him. Uh, he, he's the best running back play on the slate by far. 
Yeah, I agree with you. I think he's just an absolute lock. Um, there's another one of these high price guys that we kind of just have to play. Um, he has, I mean, outside of Aaron Jones, the highest upside at the running back position week in, week out. Uh, and I think you could argue that his upside is just as high. Um, I actually think it suits up better for him that Stafford is dealing with COVID. I don't, the Lions aren't going to really be able to put up a fight. Um, so it should just equal uh, an increased opportunity for Cook this week. Hopefully uh, they don't get up too big and sit him down and get Alexander Madison involved. But at the same time, Dalvin Cook's going to be so highly owned in double ups and, and 50 50s that I don't even think it's going to make a difference. Um, the only thing I'm interested in here is how many people are going to play Christian McCaffrey over Dalvin Cook? Um, and honestly, I don't know, but I know he's back at a similar price point. And I, it's CMC. I think he's going to have ownership, especially in a game where the Panthers are going to have to put up points to stay, to, to keep up with the chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm personally not playing CMC this week off an injury first week back. Don't know how much they're going to play Mike Davis. I don't really think Mike Davis is going to be involved. I think that's just coach speak. Um, so I much prefer Cook, but I do think it'll be interesting to watch and see where the ownership ends up. Yeah, I mean, McCaffrey's always going to have ownership, but I think with basically no value on this slate, I, I don't think McCaffrey's going to be more than more than 10% or so. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Cook is, is the correct process decision, and I'm expecting him to be, you know, 60, 70% owned in double ups probably. Yeah. Um, and the transition, another guy I think is going to be pretty highly owned this week is Chase Edmonds at 6,800. Um, first week out without Kenyon Drake, um, Chase Edmonds has been far and away the best back in this backfield all year, and now he's finally going to get unleashed. Uh, Miami's giving up the seventh most points to running backs, 26 points a game. But the thing about them is I think that their run defense is actually kind of fluky. I think it's actually probably worse than the stats show. Uh, they think about it. They blew out the Niners a couple weeks ago. The Niners didn't run the ball that much, but when they did, they were efficient. Mm-hmm. Uh, he Mostert had like 11 carries for 90 yards. Uh, the Jets suck, so that game can be scratched. Uh, the Rams, I mean, that's a committee-based backfield, and they're not very good against. They're very good at running the ball either. So I mean, that, that's the last three games that Miami's played, where they've played teams that either haven't been in a good game script to run the ball or just don't run the ball. And I think when you see that and they're still giving up the seventh most points to running backs, I think this sets up really well for Chase Edmonds. He's seen six or more targets in three of his last four games. That's a 13.5% target share, which would be eighth amongst running backs. And you have to remember, he's been playing behind Drake this year. Um, So now we get in a game where he projects somewhere between 18 and 20 touches, in my opinion. I think you can project him for probably six targets with upside for more, depending on how this game goes. Uh, it would be great if, if two in that Miami offense could put up a fight. I'm not really sure they're going to be able to, though. Um, the Cardinals defense has been pretty solid. But if we get 18 to 20 touches from Edmonds at 6,800 and the efficiency keeps up from what we've seen him doing all year, I think he's, he's in a great spot. I think he's going to be really highly owned as well, probably 60 70% owned in double-ups. Yeah, I think the only running back behind him, uh, according to Cliff Kingsbury, was 
is DJ Foster. They're not ready to put, you know, Benjamin on the field yet. Uh, their rookie running back, seventh round pick. So DJ Foster, this guy is a nobody. Chase Edmonds is going to probably get 20 plus touches. He's going to get the goal line. Uh, you know, even behind Kenny Drake, he still had five targets per game over his last four, and he's averaged 89 yards from scrimmage over his last four games as a backup. That's more than James Conner. That's more than CEH, James Robinson, Todd Gurley. Like, he's, his production has been starter-worthy, and he's only played 48% of the snaps. Now he's going to be playing probably 85-plus percent of the snaps at 6,800, uh, you know, at home, 26.5 implied total, all the reasons that you stated with how bad Lammy's run defense is. I think Chase Evans is a total smash. You, you play him and Dalvin Cook, and then it comes down to your RB3 position, uh, what you want to do with blacks. Yeah, I agree. I think people are either going to pay down at that RB3 position and pay up for a price receiver, or they're going to lock in another one of those high-priced running backs and punt receiver a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so the other running back spot that you could fill it with is James Conner. And, you know, James Conner, we had issues with him with, like, with him getting hurt mid-game and stuff. But, I mean, over the last month or two, I mean, he, he's been perfectly fine. Has not been hurt at all. Uh, so he's played 68% of the snaps over his last four. He's averaged 20 touches per game. That's really solid. Um, you know, two opportunities inside the 10 per game. That's perfectly fine. So he's getting stuff, uh, you know, he's getting the money touches at the goal line and he's taken on a defense in Dallas that we know is just absolutely terrible. He go up five yards per carry 29th DB away against the run. Um, the only, there's only a couple really things you can poke holes in Connor with is that he's 6,900. So he's a little expensive. He's 100 more than Chase Edmonds. Um, and we're trying to getting these, these high price wide receivers in there and they're 14 point favorites, which you know, normally we would like that for running backs, but they might blow the Cowboys out so bad. They might score a couple of defensive touchdowns, uh, like we saw with the chiefs against the jets, uh, that where they don't even have a chance to really do much. So I think James Conner, I think he has a really nice floor in this game, and he's had a nice floor all year. But I struggle with what his ceiling could be uh, in this game. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what his ceiling could be. Could he, he could break the slate. Maybe he scores three touchdowns as their 14-point favorites, or maybe their defense scores a couple touchdowns, and then you're just sitting there with, like, 15 points. Like, okay, that's fine, but I could add so much more. Yeah, the concern for me here is that if there's anything I'm sure of this week, it's that Pittsburgh is going to blow out Dallas. Um, I would not be surprised if they pitched a shutout in this spot. I mean, talking about maybe Cooper Rush playing quarterback for the Cowboys or this Gilbert cat. I mean, against probably what I would say would be the league's best defense. Um, So I think the issue, the concern is what happens when the Steelers get up three or four scores, are they going to keep Connor out there or is it going to, are they going to bring in Benny Snell for, you know, the last quarter and a half or so? So, and I mean, that's hard to know, right? And if the Cowboys can put up any kind of a flight, that'd be great. But I mean, the spot for Connor is amazing. He's been really good this year. He's staying healthy, knock on wood. Um, So I think he's fine for the price. It's just how, how much is he going to be out there when they get up? Because I mean, Dallas is going to get blown out. It's just going to happen. Yeah. Um, so let's move on to low price running back. And I think at this price range, he's the best play. And that's Justin Jackson at 4,900. 
Um, now there's a little bit of uncertainty here. Uh, Tremaine Pope has is dealing with concussion issues. He may or may not play. If he doesn't play, I think he sets up a lot better in this spot. Um, so that's definitely something to, to monitor. Uh, now the Raiders are giving the giving up the fifth most points to running backs, tw- uh, a little bit over 29 points per game. But it's funny they've actually seen the fourth fewest carries against them. Um, so that just tells you how much they're getting crushed on a per touch basis. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're allowing the third most targets to running backs this season. Um, that's that sets up real well for Justin Jackson, who's had a 14.8% target share the last month. That's very good. He's had five or more targets the last three games. Um, the Raiders have allowed uh, eight touchdowns this year to running backs, a tie for fourth most in the league. Um, now, the uncertainty here is what's the running back dis- distribution with their touches? I mean, the last three games, Justin Jackson's seen 15, 5, and 17 carries. Josh Kelly's getting all a goal line. Um, and last week, we saw a little bit of a hot hand approach with Pope. But if he doesn't play, then it's likely just going to be Jackson and Kelly. Um, so, I mean, but that's the risk you take at a $4,900 price tag, right? Are you willing to go there for that discount in a game where he, I mean, he? I would probably project him for about 15 touches, obviously with upside for more, especially if this game shoots out. Uh, what would be great for Jackson in this spot is if the Raiders can get out to an early lead um, and keep that lead and the Chargers have to dump off, they throw more. Um keep Josh Kelly off the field. So it's just, you know, how you feel about him at the price. Uh, I like him. Uh, We had talked earlier about this. You had said that you like him a lot more if Pope sits. I agree. So, but my approach this week, I think, is going to be locking in Edmonds and Cook. And I really like the high price receiver. Uh, high price receivers on this slate a lot more than the low price receivers. So I think I feel better about playing a guy like Jackson, a cheaper third running back, and getting two of those higher price receivers that we'll talk about in a minute. I just like that lineup construction a little bit more for this week, as there really isn't too much to like at running back outside of these couple guys. Um, so I think Jackson's fine at the price, but it's definitely something to monitor with Pope. Yeah, the only thing about Jackson is that he has no touches inside the, the 10 on the season. So he's, he's not going to get anything on the goal line. It's going to be Kelly. But, you know, I mean, he, Jackson's had 5.7 targets per game over his last four, and you talked about how many uh, – or how uh, the Raiders really forced the ball to running backs to get targeted out of the backfield. And he's – the thing about Jackson, I mean, he's been super efficient. He's averaged 97 yards from scrimmage over his last four games. That's third on the slate behind only Dalvin Cook and Derrick Henry. So he's being super efficient with his touches. He's averaged 16.7 touches over his last four. You know, I mean, I, I think if Pope is out, you know, they're one point home favorites, a faster paced game. We do like this game. It's, you know, they have a 27 implied total. I think Jackson's great uh, if Pope is ultimately out of this game. Now, I believe it's a 425 kick or 405. So we might not know. And hopefully we know before kickoff. Um, if not, it makes it makes Jackson a little more risky. But yeah, it'd be really nice if they ruled him out tonight or tomorrow at some point to give that clarity. Because I really hate that uncertainty going into a sleep. Yeah. Definitely feel a little bit uneasy. Yeah. As so moving on to wide receiver, I think that there is 
a lot. There's a lot of guys up here, and it's Julio Jones, it's uh, Keenan Allen, Steph Diggs, Tyler Lockett. I think those four are all absolutely awesome plays. They're all right around like the same price range within like $500 of each other. So I think you pick, in my opinion, you pick two of those and you go with Jackson um, or you pick two of those and you go with Connor and might have to punt off tight end. So we'll start with Lockett. So Lockett, I mean, it's, it's almost like boom or bust with this guy. I mean, it's either he's going to go off or it's going to be Metcalf. I think this week sets up for, for a Lockett game as he runs 58% of his routes in the slot where Tredavious White does not travel. Tredavious White uh, will just stay on the outside. So he should clang with, with Metcalf for most of the game. So Lockett should be freed up in the slot. We know how bad Buffalo is uh, to this slot. This game environment is going to be awesome. Seattle's games, they have totaled 63 points, 65, 69, 54, 53, 71, and 64. The implied total or the, the over on this game is 55. I think it shoots way over that. Both these offenses are amazing offenses. Tyler Lockett's averaged 10 targets per game over his last four, uh, 0.56 weight opportunity rating. Obviously, a lot of that was bumped up from the 20 target game. Uh, but still, he's averaging 1.1 end zone targets per game this year. That's right there with Adam Thielen on the slate, right there with Metcalf and Julio. So he's getting the, the money targets as well. And of course, taking on this Buffalo defense that uh, gives up a, a 68% catch rate, their 22nd DVOA. 6,800 Tyler Lockett is a total smash. Yeah, I totally agree with you on this Lockett versus Metcalf spot. Um, I think this is a cliche in the industry when people say, I really don't care about cornerback matchups. Tredavious White is one of the guys I do care about a little bit. Um, yeah. I do think he's going to be following Metcalf around for most of the day. And we've seen this a couple weeks ago when Pat Peterson covered Metcalf. Like they, they came into that game with the mindset that we're going to pepper Tyler Lockett as he's going to stay away from Pat Pete. Pat Pete's not even that good anymore, but I guarantee you if they felt that way about Pat Pete, they're definitely going to feel that bit, that way against Trey White. So, uh, and I mean, I think Lockett's probably going to be pretty chalky too. And if, I mean, if Lockett puts up one of these 45-point games that we've seen him do twice this year, I mean, and if you don't have that, man, good luck. Yeah. For sure. And, I mean, like you said, there's really only two guys. It's Metcalf, it's Lockett. Most weeks it's a coin flip, but I think with the much easier matchup for Lockett, I think – and he's $1,000 cheaper. I think he's a much better play. Yep, for sure. Uh, my favorite re receiver play on the slate, and you might be beginning to see a trend here with uh, what team I like this week. It's Keenan Allen. So, obviously, I love the Chargers this week. Uh, Keenan Allen's finally priced correctly at 7K. Um, it was a travesty. It was absolute blasphemy that he was priced at 6,200 the last two weeks. Um, so here's the thing. There's no safer player outside of maybe Devontae Adams this year at receiver than Keenan Allen. He's seen 10-plus targets in every game with Justin Herbert, uh, with the exception of week five in that game against the Saints where he got hurt in the first quarter. Um, he's had a 30% target share this year, which is fourth in the lead behind Devontae Adams, Jameson Crowder, and uh, Hopkins. Um, it looks like it's, he's going to be shadowed probably by uh, LaMarcus Joyner. Something to be concerned about. He's not very good. Um, the interesting thing about Keenan Allen this year is that he's actually seeing a lot of red zone targets. Uh, he has seven red zone targets in essentially seven games, if you take out that week five game where he got hurt. So that's one red zone target a game. 
uh, I think he's as safe as it gets. And even at that 7K price tag, I mean, the volume is just unmatched really on this slate. I mean, you can probably project him for like 12 targets because he's just getting that every single week. And I mean, he's smashing with Herbert. All those concerns we had with with Tyrod at the beginning of the year are, are just completely out the window with Herbert now. Yeah, I mean, he's just smashing week in, week out. It's my favorite game of the week. It's a shootout spot. The Raiders stink. I mean, I absolutely love Keenan Allen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thirteen and a half targets per game over his last four games with Justin Herbert, where he hasn't gotten hurt. Good God! This is, I mean, pretty- dude's gonna absolutely smash. Uh, that's the thing with these. So Lockett, Diggs, Keenan Allen, and Julio picking the two out of those four correctly is going to determine this slate. So going to Diggs, Buffalo, just starting high level first with the Bills, is Buffalo averages 63 plays per game. Seattle opponents average 75 plays per game. So it's, this is an up in volume spot for Buffalo. They're going to have to be throwing to keep up. If you do play digs and lock it, you get some correlation there where if, you know, if Seattle jumps out to a big lead from a lock it touchdown, well, then Buffalo's going to have to fire back. And digs, it's just been getting peppered, absolutely peppered. I mean, over the last four games, he's averaged 11 targets per game, a 0.84 weighted opportunity, which is ridiculous. They're at home. And, of course, they're taking on Seattle, who gives up a 71% catch rate. They're 30th DVOA. 7.8 yards per attempt allowed. Uh, Diggs, yeah, he's 7,400. It might feel a little bit expensive for Diggs, but he's had double-digit PPR points in every game. Uh, I think I think that Diggs is really, really solid here. It's it's tough parsing out between him and Keenan Allen, Julio, and Lockett, but, um, and he is a little more expensive than those guys. So if you can get to Diggs, I think it's perfectly viable. Yeah, I mean, he looks busted so far this year. I mean, his connection with Josh Allen has – I don't want to say it's surprising because we know how good Diggs is, but typically when you look at history, receivers on the first team in a new offense typically struggle. But Diggs is absolutely smashing with Josh Allen this year. And yeah. And this spot, I mean, it's one of the best spots he's going to have this year in a game where – they're going to be forced to throw. Russ is going to bring the heat. So um, Diggs is also a scary fade. I mean, you're right. Parsing through these these four high price guys is going to be very critical to winning or losing money. Yep. Um, he is the most expensive out of the four, but I don't think that's wrong necessarily. I mean, he, this game script is just perfect for him. Absolutely perfect. Yep. Uh, moving on to the fourth guy in the price range is Julio Jones at 7,200. Uh, Calvin Ridley is likely out. I don't think it's been confirmed yet, but I would be shocked if he's out, if he's uh, in there on Sunday. He's questionable. Yeah. Um, AJ Boye is also out. Not that it really matters that much because he can't cover Julio, but that just limits uh, Denver's secondary that much more. Uh, here's the thing about Julio. He's, he's actually getting these red zone looks this year. Uh, he has nine this year, seven in the last three weeks, and we know how dominant Ridley's been in the red zone, not just this year, but over the course of his career. He's really been known to steal those touchdowns away from Julio, and Julio owners have been going nuts over this the last three years. 
Um, but Matt Ryan's finally seeking out Julio in the red zone. Um, the last three weeks since Julio's come back from the injury, he's had a 27% target share. That's typical Julio. That's great. Uh, Denver's actually pretty good, good against the run, so I think uh, the Falcons are going to be forced to pass. Todd Gurley stinks. Yeah. Um, I do think Denver's going to be able to put up a fight because of how porous the, the Atlanta defense is. Um, what we can hope is that it's not a game where Matt Ryan disappears. Typically, he disappears when Julio's out. Um, let's hope that he doesn't disappear with Ridley gone. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he is expensive. Um, again, if you're going to pay up for two of these guys, you're going to have to pay down elsewhere, whether it's quarterback, tight end, or running back, right? So Julio, I think, is – probably my least favorite of the four but that being said I still love them you know what I mean I just love those other three maybe a a little bit more uh again he's the second most expensive of the of the four so he's easier to fit than Diggs, and I think he'll probably be the lowest owned of the four as well um but yeah I think it's just it's a Mount St. Julio eruption spot potentially um I don't really I mean, Russell Gage is – I mean, I don't know who Ridley's going to be replaced by. Is it going to be Sakias? Uh, I think Hayden – I would be Christian Blake. Christian Blake, yeah. So, I don't care about that, right? <laughs> Hayden Hurst is interesting, but this really should just be a Julio week. Should yeah. be. Yeah, and in the three games that really missed to end the year, uh, last year Julio had 20, 15, and 13 targets. Um, it, it could very well be an absolute eruption spot for Julio. Uh, in this game. And he's also Julio the last four games, he's averaged 124 yards per game. So he's, he's really been playing well. His yards per out run is up again this year. He's always near the top of the league. So he Julio is not dusted yet. He's, he's, yeah, he's a little bit older, but he is still in peak form. Um, so if Ridley's out, Julio becomes a very, very strong player. So moving on to, if we want to pay up for these wide receivers, uh, we're going to have to pay down somewhere. And I think that uh, Darnell Mooney could be a place that we could go. So he's 3,900. I know he's not really a, a popular name. Um, he's a rookie. Um, you know, it, it's not it's not a great total for, for Chicago. You know, they have a, a 20 and a half implied total. And he's only averaged uh, 5.8 targets per game. But here's the thing. His dot is 15.8. So he's getting these deep throws. We know that Tennessee is just putrid on defense. They have a, they're 32nd in success rate to wide receivers. That's obviously the worst in the league. Uh, Darnell Mooney leads the team. He leads the Bears in air yards with 527 uh, with Nick Foles. And that's, that's more than Allen Robinson. Obviously, Allen Robinson gets a much higher target share, but in terms of just raw air yards, it I mean, it, it goes to Mooney. He gets these deep shots. He gets at least two or three a game. Um, so if he can connect on one of these balls, uh, here against this terrible Tennessee defense, I think that Moody could be in. I mean, obviously, if he catches on one, he's thirty nine hundred, so he's going to absolutely smash that that price tag. He'll probably score thirteen or fourteen there. Um, and the thing about the Bears is over the last five weeks, on early downs in the first half, so this shows intent what they want to be doing. They're passing the ball second highest in the league, sixty two percent of the time. So this is a team who really wants to lean towards the pass now. Um, you know, with Tree Cohen being out for whatever reason. Uh, they really just want to lean towards the pass. Uh, I guess they just hate Dave Montgomery, rightfully so. He's terrible. I hate him. <laughs> so um, 
I, yeah, I think they're going to be losing in this game, so they're going to have to be throwing. Uh, you know, Mooney's running routes on basically 80% of dropbacks, so he's a full-time player. Um, he's been running ahead of Anthony Miller. So I think that Darnell Mooney gives you a lot of upside for his price at 3900 Yeah, I think Darnell Mooney's probably going to be pretty popular for that price point. Uh, he seems to be a clear play and a really good uh, positive regression play as well. If Nick Foles could just hit on one of these deep balls one of these weeks, I mean, <laughs> we would see an explosion from him. Um, he was a guy who had a lot of uh, late round hype coming into the draft. He was a lot, he was a sleeper pick for a lot of people. I think he went to Tulane. Is that right? Yeah. Um, He's a senior coming out too. So, but he ran 4 3 8 at the combine. So this is a burner. This is like a Ted Ginn you know, type of archetype of a player. So and he seems uh, to be a pretty good player too. I mean, maybe with, I mean, you were talking about intent on uh, early downs in the first half, maybe Matt Nagy's trying to be less of a donkey than he has been the last two years. I mean, hopefully, I, mean, I absolutely, I can't stand Matt Nagy as coach. I can't watch bears games with the combination of Matt Nagy's play calling and watching him Montgomery just be fat and slow. <laughs> Um, but uh, I really liked Arnold Mooney in that spot, and I think he's the clear play if you want to pay up at that third running back spot. Yeah. Um, I'll just touch on one last guy in the mid-range. It's Deontay Johnson at 5K. I'll go over this real quick. I say this every week, the X receivers against the Cowboys, you just play uh, and I think DraftKings really got this pricing wrong with the Pittsburgh wide receivers. You got Juju at 6,200, Claypool at 57, and Deontay at 5K. I think that's just blatantly wrong, uh, personally. Uh, as bad as Dallas's defense is, they're they're actually giving the third fewest points to the slot, and Juju's running like eighty percent of his routes from the slot. Um, Juju's never cash viable, in my opinion. Uh, he doesn't really have much of a ceiling or a four, for that matter. Yeah. So he's overpriced, and I don't trust Claypool. Um, Claypool's been efficient on a per target basis, but the volume has been tough to predict. Uh, last week he had uh, nine targets, but the two weeks prior he had one and four. Yeah. With fifty seven hundred, when you have a guy like Deontay at five k, excuse me, who Ben is just peppered with targets when he's been healthy. In the three games he's played, full games he's had ten, thirteen, and fifteen targets. And I know last week he only missed like a series or two, but he did have he was locked up by Marcus Peters for a lot of the game. Um, we know Marcus Peters is a pretty good corner. I think that was more of just a fluke, if anything else. I think I'm going to trust the sample size we've seen with Ben, and I think he's just massively mispriced compared to the rest of the receivers on the Steelers. So I think for that price range, he's perfectly fine. Yeah, and his last four healthy games where he's played the full game through, uh, so that's weeks – the sample is weeks one, two, seven, and eight. In those weeks, he's averaged um, – 10.3 targets per game, a 0.62 weight opportunity. I mean, he is underpriced. If he's healthy, which he's off the injury report, if he can stay healthy for a full game, and that's my biggest concern with him. I played him multiple times this season and he's gotten hurt. And it's just like, I, it is so tilting to watch this guy. You just see on Twitter and it's just like, oh, Deontay Johnson getting helped off the field. It's just like, this is great. I, I Deontay Johnson is an amazing talent. He's underpriced for his role. It's against Dallas. He's 5K. I think you play him if, if he's like the last guy in. I don't think he force it, but I think if he's the last guy in, 
he's fine, but the injuries with him getting hurt mid-game is a real concern. He he does get hurt mid-game a lot. So um, that's definitely a concern for me at least. Yeah, and I know for me personally, I'm just trying to fade this whole price range for receiver. The mid-range receivers are really ugly, as are the low-priced receivers. Um, but if it fits and you have the money, I think that he's very mispriced, and I think he's fine. What I do think is if Justin plays Deontay Johnson, his cash line, I'll just fade him because he's going to get hurt. Right, <laughs> guys. So at tight end, I think I, I, I'm going to start with my windmill play. The windmill play of the week, it's Noah Fant. Noah Fant is a stud talent. We know this. He was a first-round pick last year uh, you know, out of Iowa. He's 23 years old. He's 6'4", 249. He runs 4'5". His best comparable player is George freaking Kittle. We know this guy's an absolute tank after the catch. All right, so we got that out of the way. Now, what's his volume looking like? Oh, well, over the last four games, he's averaged 8.0 targets per game, a 0.48 weight opportunity, which is second on the slate among tight ends, uh, just behind Travis Kelsey. He's taking on a Atlanta defense that is the worst in the NFL to opposing tight ends. They're 29th in yards per target at 8.8. They've allowed a league-high eight touchdowns to opposing tight ends. They give up the second-most schedule-adjusted fantasy points um, two tight ends. They give up 19 points per game, at 8.6 yards per attempt, at 82% catch rate. 82% catch rate to, to opposing tight ends. That's highest in the league. That's cool. So this, this defense is absolutely garbage. Atlanta cannot stop anything, and they especially cannot stop tight ends. His eight out is 8.3, so it's healthy enough, and we know what he can do after the catch. Now, the only real concern here is that, you know, it's, it's tough to play tight ends that uh, that are on the road and have low low totals, but I think I, I think Denver beats this total twenty three and a quarter. I think they go over that. Um, like we talked about, I like I like Drew Locke, and Albert O is running a decent amount of routes. But over the last couple of games, as Fant is starting to get back into the offense and be healthy, uh, Fant's routes have gone from sixteen to twenty four to twenty seven, and Albert O his routes have gone from twelve to sixteen and then back down to fourteen. So I, Fant. He's starting to get acclimated back into the offense off that ankle injury. I think he's starting to get healthy, 4,600 against Atlanta. This is my windmill play. I'll most likely have him in cash. Uh, no offense, an absolute monster. <laughs> First off, how insane is it that Iowa had Kittle, Fant, and Hawkinson all at the same time? Oh, I know. What that is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, Fant's fine. This just feels like a week where I get the Twitter notification – Noah Fant, 70-yard receiving touchdown. Um, <laughs> and then it's just pants off intercourse, right? So Noah Fant's just amazing, dude. And this is just a great spot for him. Um, this is probably the best – I mean, I feel like I say this all the time, but this is probably the best spot that he and Drew Locke are going to see this year. Yeah. Um, it's a cheap stack, too. That's the thing. Locke's 5,200, Fant's 4,600. That's cheap as hell for a stack. Absolutely, and it helps you get in those high-priced receivers and, and uh, running backs, right? So um, I think he's absolutely fine. I typically don't like to pay up for tight end, but, I mean, he's not that expensive in terms of tight end. He's a great talent. We know that. Elite athlete. He showed burst. Uh, he was one of my favorite sleeper tight ends coming into the year. He's finally healthy. Um, so I think it's a great spot. And I don't, I don't know how much ownership he's going to have either. 
So I think he's fine. Um, one of the guys I like this week, again, another charger, right? Hunter Henry at 4K. Um, now, I typically punt tight end. Um, but at 4K, Hunter Henry is pretty cheap. Uh, I think he's pretty mispriced. Now, granted, he hasn't been very good the last few weeks. Um, but over the last month, the Raiders are giving up the third most points to tight ends, 17 and a half points a game. Uh, Hunter Henry's had an 18 and a half percent target share. Uh, that's pretty good at the tight end position. Um, again, in a game where we think it has shootout potential and a game where Herbert has been just eating every week. Uh, now, I think that there's a good bit of positive regression coming Hunter Henry's way. He's had three yards or less in each of his last four games. And he only has one touchdown this year, which suggests regression because Hunter Henry's always been pretty good in the, in the end zone or in the red zone. Now that could just be a Phillip Rivers tendency kind of thing that we've seen the last couple of years. And maybe Herbert doesn't look to his tight ends as much, but we've already seen uh, Donald Parham or whatever this guy's name is. He's caught two touchdowns this year. Uh, and Hunter Henry only has one on the whole season, right? Don't be smurf Donald Parham. Yeah, Donald I mean, Parham was an absolute beast in the XFL. <laughs> the point is, Herbert's throwing a lot of touchdowns to irrelevant guys, right? Like Jalen Guyton is scoring 70-yard touchdowns every other week. I mean, so Hunter Henry is relatively cheap for the position. I think the game environment's cheap. It's a good matchup. Um, he's had 40 yards or less in each of his last four games, despite his pretty good target share at the position. So I think this is a get right spot for him at a at, uh, cheap price tag. Um, he, again, that's a little bit of value that helps. Um, now the only other thing I would say about tight end is if you are looking to punt, I think it's Will Disley from the Seahawks or Alberto from the Broncos. Neither one of them are really getting that many targets. Alberto is losing snaps every week with Hant, with Noah Fant getting more and more healthy. Um, and then Will Disley, he's running not a lot of routes, but he's closing the gap a little bit with Greg Olson, I believe. Yeah. Um, I do like Greg Olson better than Will Disley at 3,100. Uh, he's running a lot of routes, but if you really want to punt, Disley's 27. Alberto is 28. Um and again, I say this every week, but if you punt the tight end position, the opportunity cost is so low that if you fill your lineup with the right higher price guys, it's not going to make a difference. Yes. Your higher price guys don't bust. I don't think you're going to get killed by a $2,800 tight end, even if he gets you zero. And here's the thing. If he gets one target like Alberto did last week, one reception for a touchdown, that's, that's amazing. Like that – is absolutely what you're looking for. Uh, even a guy like Anthony Furcher, I think is absolutely fine. So, yeah, that's all I've got on tight end. Yeah, so this week we mentioned a lot of really high-priced guys. So you're going to have to make um, some reservations on who you're going to plant your flag on uh, between Keenan Allen, Lockett, Julio, and Diggs, or Metcalf if you want to go all the way up. Uh, I mean, at running back, you're going to have to plant your flag on Dalvin Cook, Edmonds, James Conner, you're not going to be able to play all three, most likely, unless you punt off tight end. So you're going to have to kind of make decisions and just and stick with them and be like, look, I'm not going to play these guys and just have to deal with it. Um, it you know, if you're a single entry cash player like like us, I mean, if you play multiple cash lines, I mean, I don't know how many condoms you wear. So uh, we're we're not 
We're definitely not doing that. If you split cash action, that's just uh we're gonna split late swap. Yeah, like, yeah. You do you, but uh, I am not the kind of person that will split cash action. I play one lineup on DraftKings every week, and I like to make money. And yeah, I, if you split action, you're just—it's a losing proposition most weeks. Um, so have conviction in your plays, um, and go out there and, and see what happens. Yeah, so that's, that's gonna do it for the week nine DraftKings breakdown for the PrintFest DFS podcast. We're going to be back on Monday night, breaking down our cash lineups, and hopefully we printed, hopefully you printed, and hopefully uh, we'll, we'll have a good podcast on, on Monday night. Until then, good luck, everybody.